Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for the Sports Blast. <laughs> Ashish Sharma. I am going to smack you so hard. In the ass. I will smack it's your face happen. off of your face. Ryan Roach. He can get on base, he can walk, he can hit, and he can steal back. That's the key. They missed that element last year in the leadoff position. Sports. Dave Pollard. He's facing more outrageous scoring chances. In a I weird agree. way, the defense sucking as much as it has. He's becoming more adept at making bigger saves. He's absolutely right. And Mark you have a great coach of Brad Stevens. You want him to stick around. You want him to have confidence in this team. Here's the key part. You start winning games that matter. Down the stretch, you have to win these games. There are playoff implications on the line. Here. The Sports Blast. What the hell are you doing? Only on ESPN New Hampshire. This is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't no, work. No, 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 don't ruin it. No. And ESPNNHradio.com. Game on! Game on! What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Sports Blast here on ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. As always, I'm Ashish Sharma, joined by Dave Pollard and Mark Lazell. No Brian Roach once again, guys. He's just too busy ditching us. What is this, four straight weeks now? Yeah. What the hell's going on, Brian? I know. I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable in this seat. I know, Dave, you really don't like producing. And it's bizarre. I, hate- I have to look at both of you as I produce <laughs> for three straight hours. I'm, I, I'm used to being in the middle of you. I don't have to look at you guys. Yeah, yeah that's good true. Thing. That's yeah. true. This is very unnatural. And no offense to you as a producer, but I really produ- uh, prefer when you don't produce because when you produce, I have to do your updates. Yeah. And you guys know how much I hate that. It's just more work for everybody. It's more work. I suck at them. I can't read not, copy. Not for me. I'm just sitting here confident. <laughs> Mark is still, uh, <laughs> is still playing the wing, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah Mark is. <laughs> still recovering from that traffic that he was stuck in. You weren't even sure you were going to make the opening segment of the show. No, there was like three or four accidents on 95 on my way up, and I was like, what the heck? And then, you know, two uh, uh, exits up, it was construction. I'm like, I can't win today. I'm like, I'm never going to make it on time, but luckily I did for sure. Yeah, you texted us, and you were like, uh, I'm going to be a little late. Usually Mark and I carpool up, and you texted me, and you're like, oh, I'm going to be a little late, you know, maybe around uh, 10.15-ish. I'm going to get to your place. I was like, no, screw that. I got to get up <laughs> See there. I got to get up there and make sure I prepare, because today is a beautiful day. It is. For many reasons, and I'm not even talking about the weather. No. Nope. Because today is the day that no, the weather Red Sox... sucks outside. No, no, it stinks. But yeah. today is the day after the Red Sox designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment. So I knew that I needed to get my ass up here and be ready to talk about it because God was I happy when I got that news yesterday. We're free. We're yeah. free. Pablo is officially gone. Skadoosh. 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 <laughs> no longer a member of the Boston Red Sox. See ya. It's a beautiful day. They have 10 days from yesterday now that he's been designated from, uh, for assignment to determine if they're going to trade or release him or place him on waivers. Uh, waivers can only happen in the first seven days, so they got to make a decision on that fast. But is everyone else as happy as I am? Yeah, i got to say hallelujah. It's about time. It's, it took too long, I think. Um, they, they finally actually have a, a, a plan in mind um, as Devers got called up to the tri- you know, AAA as well. But I think they can do with what they have right now, but they definitely got to – you know, find a guy that can most certainly fulfill that position at the the hot corner. See, I don't know if they necessarily need to find a everyday third baseman. I agree. I kind of like the platoon right now of of uh, Sue Lin and Devin Marrero. It's it's working for them. They're they're much better off with those two in the lineup than they are Pablo in the lineup, who's cost them games. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm happy that Pablo is gone. But there's a lot to look back on, and there's a lot of reason to be upset with the whole Pablo saga, really. From, yeah. from, the, from the day he was signed to come here for a five-year, $95 million contract to a guy who had already pretty much accomplished everything he could possibly accomplish in the league, uh, San Francisco at the time wanted to put a weight clause in his contract, which is why Pablo didn't want to sign with San Francisco. Imagine that. Imagine that. The only reason Pablo wouldn't sign in San Fran was because they wanted to include a weight clause. Well, That's, he loved his fast food. He, he might as well KB. have just said, no, I would rather stuff my face yeah. with burgers and pizza. Right. D- didn't it get to a point where they were like controlling whether or not he could get room service at hotels? Yes. Yeah, he basically yes, lived that had, in and out, too. They had to basically put a security guard on Pablo to make sure he wasn't overeating on road trips. 
<laughs> uh, it, there were so many red flags with this guy. I understand great postseason performer and whatnot in the past, but it kind of speaks to this whole philosophy of the Red Sox and them not really knowing where they're going. Do you want great playoff performers on your roster, or does that not matter to you? Because you go and you sign a guy in Pablo Sandoval who has a ton of question marks around him coming in here, five years, $95 million, all for what? His playoff performance. But then on the flip side of that, you look at the David Price deal. They give him $30 million a year for eight years, and he hasn't won a postseason game. I don't, I, I don't understand necessarily the Red Sox philosophy. It's almost like they're caught in between two different, uh, two different philosophies of what they want to be as a team. You know, do they want to grow from the farm up? Do they want to go out and get the big-name free agents? Are they a team that's solely interested in marketability of players? Because Panda obviously came here with a lot of marketability, all because of his stupid nickname. Right, I, I think part of it was absolutely the market marketability because if you remember when you go to, go back to that press conference, they were talking about oh we're gonna sell you know panda hats and panda merchandise and all that. They stuff. couldn't wait. I, I still can't you know to this day think of anyone who actually bought any of that crap. I don't know if they were selling it or what, but he was so he bad from off. the very get go that no one ever bought any of it. Right, but part of it is the marketability, and part of it is just by nature. Red Sox ownership is very reactionary. Will Middlebrooks had back-to-back disappointing seasons after a relatively good rookie year before uh, I think he broke his hand or something. He It was cut short. Yeah. And they went out there and they were like, okay, we need to address the void at third base now that we got rid of Will Middlebrooks. Let's go out and sign a third baseman. So there was clearly a need, but they just went out and got the wrong guy. Because from the very get-go, when they signed Pablo Sandoval to the five-year $95 million deal, I'm pretty sure all four of us here – we're looking at that, and we're like, really? Well, it seemed yeah. forced. Really? Yeah, to begin that, with. that's a pretty steep contract for a guy whose numbers have been declining for the past few years. Right? And it wasn't in uh, 2014 offseason, or was it 2013? It was 14 heading into 15. Right, and, and that's because they had an awful year after winning um, their World Series in 2013. So they had to have a bounce back year because in 2014 they really you know just went into the dumpster and really just just rotted away yeah. and i think ownership realized like we have to get this team back on the map and how do we do it is we go out and get a guy like Harry Ramirez who was you know part of our farm system for a while we traded him away early in his career we wanted to bring him back to the boston uh, Red Sox, people would know him. And also uh, Pablo Sandoval, people know him because of his playoff experience. But at the same time, that's a National League too, guys. And, and I, I, I do take that into account because, you know, anytime you switch over to another league, there's a lot of adjustments. And also with uh, the San Francisco Giants, um, Pablo knew his role. And it, it feel like, you know, when you sign a guy for $95 million, a lot of pressure is on that player to perform. And I blame the Red Sox, but I also blame Pablo Sandoval. And the reason why I blame the Red Sox is because they didn't know his um, level of salary. And when, when you kind of price out a guy, you don't just go based on like marketability and you know butts in the seats. You got to go off based off of you know who this guy is as a hitter, who this guy is as a fielder. And he's always been mediocre at best and, and for my circumstance I was kind of questioning the move in, in, from the beginning I, I think we all were yeah I don't think that any of us were really over the moon about that and it was two major signings that offseason you remember it was really Pablo coupled with Hanley Ramirez coming yep. to Boston and I look at both of those signings and I say you disregarded personality the character of the player just for what? The big name? Big name. You know, and Hanley's obviously uh, one of the more talented hitters in all of baseball, but when you take into account his character, his personality, his work ethic, uh, there's a ton of question marks there. And I feel like they sort of handcuffed themselves with those two guys, big right. contracts, and you're not getting the most out of either of them. I mean, Hanley, when you look at him and his performance, sure, last year, obviously an outlier because he played first base, good first base, and he hit for power, he hit for average, he drove in over 100 runs. But, I mean, look at him this year. You know, you have to pull teeth just to get the guy to play. Although it. he's been hot lately, but, yeah, overall it's been a disappointment. And, right, it, it, and it's been in response to what? Criticism. The criticism that he can't hit lefties. Now, all of a sudden, coincidentally, 
He's, he's hitting lefties. <laughs> so it's kind of like one of those things where you get called on something like a little kid. It's like, hey, you're not doing this. That's what and I you're mean. You're supposed it's to be doing it. All of a sudden, he starts doing it. So it's like, wait, so could you hit lefties all along? Sure. You Were can... you just not putting your best foot like forward? You can kind of live with the antics of Hanley Ramirez if he's going to hit for you. But when he's not hitting, that contract is not worth it. And he's not out in the field. He's a DH now. He's only going to be hitting. So you need that bat to be active. And it's like I said, it's just pulling teeth with him. So it's yeah, kinda, you, you take it when it's happening, when he's on fire, but it, it takes too much to get him to that level. It's exactly, and we'll get back to Panda, but it's exactly like Manny with Hanley Ramirez, where I remember, you know, Manny was a left fielder, but anytime David Ortiz wasn't in the lineup for whatever reason, if he had a day off, if yeah. he was hurt or whatever, guess what? Take and he was no, he wouldn't take the day off. He DH. DH. And it well, was almost like he, yeah. So it yeah. was almost like he had a clause in his contract where it's like, hey, if David's not in the lineup, I'm at DH. It's kind of the same exact mentality with Hanley, except he's not nearly the type of hitter that Manny was. No, and it's a step down because because Manny played left field, and when right. he needed he days, play well. and when he needed days, he'd play DH. Right now, Hanley's playing DH, and when he needs days, he doesn't play at all. So right. it, so it's a step down from what Manny used to do for this team. You know, and and Manny for what it's worth was always consistent at the plate. Oh, he was the greatest right-handed so, hitter I've ever so seen. So I I can't compare the two because Hanley has these stretches where it's, he's out to lunch. He's not engaged, he's not focused. And it's frustrating because you know the talent he has. You look at him, he's built like a brick house. He's got power and he can hit to all uh, to all parts of the field. So Dude. when a guy like that, I, I I mean, you just want him to perform consistently because you know his ceiling, and it's frustrating to watch when he's going through these cold streaks that he's gone through, and it's it's even more maddening to know that all you really got to do is be like, hey, Hanley, uh, you're not hitting that well. He's like, oh, really? Well, I guess I, I guess I better go hit well. Then. It's like it's when like he a goes teacher. Out, he hits. It's like a teacher having like a one on one with a student and being like, hey, listen, you really got to do this. Yeah, better. who's right. like a genius? Yeah. Though. yeah. Right, so it's it's like a genius uh, mathematician underperforming in his class, Guys. and then all of a sudden and, he's and getting the teachers, A's. And the teacher's like, "You're smarter than this." He's like, "You're right, I am." And he <laughs> just gets A's through the rest of the school year. Yeah, I just want to talk about reactionary, the term reactionary with the Red Sox front office, it, and the reason why is because they always look at the the years past from their players. So like Hanley Ramirez, he he played for what the Dodgers before he came over to the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And he had a great year. And then Pablo, you know, throughout his tenure with the uh, San Francisco Giants, was a great hitter and a fielder as well. So they go based off of the past instead of looking towards the future. And that's the problem is because you can't base off of that because you don't know how good they can be in Fenway Park. Now, it's hard to determine the future, but it's also easy to acknowledge, you know, the tendencies of, of a bad character in Hanley Ramirez that sometimes he's been a, a, a weird teammate. You know, sometimes he's taking stuff seriously and sometimes he takes it, you know, on his own and that's goofing off and not taking it the right way. And then with Pablo, his weight. So you got to take those into account. And I don't think the Red Sox front office does. And I don't think they care to even put that in account because they were going to get people to come to baseball games after a tough season. Well, so they thought. So they thought. So they thought. Yeah. And I, I mean, Pablo really didn't do anything for them in terms of marketability, being the face of the franchise, uh, selling merchandise, putting butts in the seats. Like, Pablo did none of that. No, you know? Heinz, uh, I'm just saying, like, that was the plan that, that was they the had. idea. Yes. But that that's what I mean. Backfired. So, so, A, you didn't make the move as a baseball move to improve the team. And, B, the reason you did bring him in here, that also failed. It failed on every single possible level. And, and in the next segment, I want to get more into what it cost the Red Sox to actually bring Pablo in here. Again, they are eating... Like $48 million worth of this contract. I know you have mm -hmm. the exact number, Ashish. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I, oh God, I lost it. It's, I, I it's somewhere between 48 and 49. Said, it was 48.6, right? 48.6 was what I was going to say. I think yeah. you right. said before the show yeah. started. 48.6 million of that $95 million contract. That's more than half of that contract That's that asinine. they have to eat. Right. It's crazy. And, and, and it's in insane. His, in his Red Sox career, 161 games. I was telling 161. you, Dave. 161. One game fewer than a complete season over in, three years. In three years. Unbelievable. So, I mean, they got nothing out of this guy, and they spent a hell of a lot of money on him. And, and it, 
we've always had questions about this front office and sort of where they're going, why they're doing what they're doing. They we question the moves they make. Is it to make the team better or right. is it just to sort of you know do the whole Red Sox show yeah. and, and create better ratings on Nesson and and you know put more butts in the seats? Is it about Having a good product on the field, or is it about personalities and selling panda hats? What is it? It, it seems like a mix, to be honest with you, because they got good baseball guys, but then they come out with you know these couple of guys like Carl Crawford. Right. I, I thought that was a wasted contract. That you know they had AJ Perzinski. You know, I, I I'm feel still like trying to just, figure out what that one was about. They, that, that's what I meant just at the beginning yeah. of the segment. By they seem stuck in the middle of a couple different philosophies in that front office where. Uh, they're left sort of without an identity, and it's like the players they try to bring in to create that identity. It's not to create an identity for the team. It's no, to create an for identity themselves. for the fans. Yeah. Right. Which is ass backwards. You let the players speak for themselves. Right. And well, the performance I mean, on the field should speak for itself. That's how you draw fans in. I mean, just speaking to what's more important, personality or the actual product on the field, obviously the product on the field, but at the same time, if you want to instill interest in the market, you can't put out a really good team that has Nobody. literally no personality. Yeah. Sure. Like, look at the Cubs last year. They became, if your team lost, they became America's team for the most part, unless you were a Cleveland Indians fan. I think for the most part, if you were a fan of baseball, you were rooting for the Cubs, not just for the history, but because that was a likable team with all the characters that they had from Rizzo to Arietta to Chris Bryant to all those guys that became a likable team and that's the combination you need is really good transcendent players that have personalities that you can get behind well she's to that point I think they didn't need a guy like Hanley or Pablo because they had guys like Dustin Bedroya David Ortiz guys that already have personalities really so they didn't really need to bring them in I thought it was a waste of contract with Pablo Hanley's you know he is it's iffy like the contract iffy it's tough to see where that can go right and just just a note a final point before we go to break again if the idea is to create a team that has scintillating play on the field and intriguing personalities off the field with Pablo they failed on both levels there. They did not create scintillating play on the field with Pablo, and they did not have a marketable player in Pablo off the field. Zero leverage. And you know the irony of that is they tried to do that via free agency, but they ended up getting both those things, marketability and good play, from the guys that they had in their own system. Yep. Betts, Bradley, Bogarts, Benintendi. Give those guys a couple of years. Those guys are going to be the marketable stars. They already are. Those guys but deserve. Those, they're going to be a lot more marketable in a couple of years. So those are the guys that you had in your own system that you just had to wait to come through the pipeline. And those guys deserve the $49 million that you're guaranteeing Pablo Sandoval now. Just put that into um, you know, the equation. 603-883-9900. When we come back, we will continue our reaction to Pablo Sandoval, Sandoval being designated for assignment by the Boston Red Sox. It's the Sports Blast on ESPN New Hampshire. Skadoosh! 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 There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to Geico than saving you money, Geico also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the Geico app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions? More smoky mesquite. Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is Shaquille O'Neal. And the Shaquettes. Reminding you that anytime. Anytime. Is a good time. Good time. For the cooling, drying, fresh scent of gold bond powder spray. Like after the gym. Or a crowded elevator ride. Or golf. Or working with farm animals. Or a hard day's work. Like sports casting? You said it, ladies. Stay cool with Gold Bond Powder Spray. Stay cool with Gold Losing our signal? You can always hear us on the TuneIn app. We are 1250 ESPN New Hampshire. I'm Dr. Harold Freeman from the National Cancer Institute. African Americans died from cancer at higher rates than any other groups in the United States. It's important to educate yourself about what you can do to prevent and treat the disease. Call 1-800-4-CANCER and talk to a cancer information specialist for free to learn about prevention, screening, treatment, and clinical trials. That's 1-800-4-CANCER or 1-800-422-6237. 
You can also visit us online at cancer.gov slash lifelines to learn about cancer in the African-American community and the factors that contribute to higher cancer death rates among African-Americans, as well as ways to reduce your risk. Also, check out your local African-American newspaper for Lifelines articles produced by the National Cancer Institute. In the next 60 seconds, 156 people will be added to Earth's population. Many will face a life of poverty, hunger, and poor health. At some point, planet Earth may no longer be able to sustain our world's population. But overpopulation is not just a numbers game. It's also about a better quality of life, which includes access to basic health care, food, clean water, and a sustainable balance between people and our natural resources. If you think overpopulation is such a big problem that you can't make a difference, think again. Population Connection is the national grassroots organization that believes through education and information, individuals can make a difference. Take the time to make an investment in a better, safer, less crowded world. Even small choices can make an impact. To learn more, visit populationconnection.org. That's populationconnection.org. A public service message from Population Connection. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Red Sox beat the Yankees 5-4 on a walk-off walk last night. Yankees closer Araldis Chapman failed to record an out while protecting a one-run lead in the ninth. Chapman walked Andrew Benintendi with the bases loaded to give the Sox the win. Drew Pomeranz got the no decision after going six innings, allowing uh, four runs on six hits while striking out seven. Four Red Sox had multiple hit games, including Hanley Ramirez, who hit a towering two-run homer off Yankees starter Jordan Montgomery. The Red Sox and Yankees will go again today with Chris Sale getting the ball. He'll take on Luis Severino. First pitch is at 4.05. The Red Sox also made headlines yesterday when they designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment, effectively ending his career in Boston. Sandoval is owed roughly $49 million. And the Celtics officially signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract yesterday worth $128 million over four years. They also announced that they waived big man Jordan Mickey. And Garbine Muguruza defeated Venus Williams in straight sets to win the women's Wimbledon final today. Roger Federer will face Tomas Burdich in the men's final tomorrow. Those are your Sports Center updates. Be sure to listen live on ESPNNHradio.com as well as the ESPN Radio app. And as always, you can check us out on TuneIn. I'm Ishii Sharma. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues right now. Pablo just wasn't playing as well as we had hoped. And it just wasn't here when he went to AAA. Uh, he didn't. Not only from an offensive perspective, there were some defensive struggles, and we just it really came down to us feeling that we were not a better club if he was on our club at the major league level. I consider all that remains uh, with, with the terms of his deal, but uh, I think what it boils down to is pretty simple: uh, trying to put the best team on the field every night uh, to put us in a position to extend our season from where we stand today to into October. Um, and we've acknowledged the performance of, of Lynn and Marrero to date. Uh, the, you can't deny their contributions, the way they've helped uh, impact the bottom third of the order. They've done a tremendous job defensively. Um, bottom line is Panda's situation just didn't work. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more. Six zero three eight eight three nine nine zero zero. back here on the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire and ESPNNHradio.com. That was Dave Dombrowski and John Farrell in their respective press conferences yesterday before the game talking about Pablo Sandoval getting designated for assignment. Is it just me or does John Farrell just, I mean, he hated Pablo Sandoval, but he has a very unique way of talking where he just kind of seems like he's continuing to protect the player, you know? Yeah, he's he, very he, subtle with he, it. He uses yeah. like 100 words when 20 will do. Yeah. He's like, well, you can't ignore the play of Sue Wei Lin and Devin Murray. Just say Pablo sucked, man. Yeah. Like, come on. Why do you got to? It's almost like he's taking a detour and avoiding how bad Pablo was. I, I Dombrowski just, went right at it. He yeah. was just like, no, he, he was underperforming by a lot. But at the same time with Dombrowski, like, Pablo has stunk offensively, defensively since he's really been here. 
So just because he's been stinking it up with the Pawtucket Red Sox, now you have to open up and say that, you know, he hasn't been performing offensively and, you know, defensively and, you know, looking at the future now, it looks like he doesn't fit into our plans. Basically, that's what he said. Now, why did it take you so long to recognize that when the guy was, you know, overweight and, you know, he wasn't hitting uh, quality, he wasn't having quality at bats, he was always swinging at pitches in the dirt? Because of the money. They, they, I mean, now, finally, they're like, okay, screw it. We owe him $49 million here. We're just going to let him go. But before that, when it was 65 or whatever it was. Oh, so they had, had to some, wait until they it keeps decreasing. Like, they're thinking Red Sox ownership is thinking like, hey, we owe him $60 million. Let's just wait and see, and maybe we catch lightning in a bottle here. And then when it didn't happen, they said, you know what? Screw it. What's it, $49 million or something? Yeah. No. Let's just let's do it. Let's just get rid of them here. And, and Pablo messed up a lot of plans for the Red Sox. Let me tell you, um, you know, when they were shuffling Travis Shaw and Pablo, and then you know even Mancada, like Mancada could have came up earlier if it wasn't for you know Pablo's um, status oh, at their base. So well, Mark. Well, I'm just saying, like you, you could have utilized these guys in different ways. I mean, it happened when it happened, and it shouldn't have. I I, I feel like it, it should they should have expedited the process and recognized. You know, Pablo isn't the guy. Pablo's not the guy you're going to build around at the hot corner. You're going to have to find another replacement. And we saw it coming, guys. They talked about the weight in San Francisco. They talked about how he's not as great of a hitter as he used to be. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. You know, a guy turns 30 years old, you know, sometimes that's the decline of their career. I, I You know, it might have been weight-related. It might have been age-related. I just go back to what Dave said in the opening segment. This guy already accomplished pretty much everything you'd want to as a major leaguer. He achieved the fame in San Francisco. He got his three rings, all right? He got his money. So once you get the money and the rings and the fame, the hell else do you have to play for? Right. For, for money and to do whatever you want. It, it, it was all about the money for Pablo. Let's put it that way. Because what other motivation was there for him? Clearly, there was none. Yeah, for going from three rings to four, does that really make much of a difference for certain guys? Some guys it does. Some guys it does. Like for, for a guy like Tom Brady, going from four rings to five, that was huge. Yeah. For other guys, going from three to four, that might not be that big a deal. Right. I, and I, I honestly believe that Pablo came in to Boston checked out of his baseball career. Yeah, he, he was done. He didn't care. Yeah. He, he thought to himself, five years, $95 million? Sure, I'll pocket that cash. That's I guaranteed. mean, look at the results in his Red Sox career. As we said, 161 games. He batted 237, 14 home runs, 59 RBI, and 101 strikeouts. A whole lot of nothing. Here's the most amazing part of it for me with regards to the Red Sox and bringing Pablo Sandoval in here in order to, in quotation marks, Help the team, improve the team, get better on the field, provide some offense, maybe? Yeah, right. How about this? Okay. Pablo came in here in 2015. The Red Sox, since 2015, if you include this season, they have an overall record of 222 and 192. Okay? That makes them 30 games above 500 since the Pablo Sandoval signing. Pretty weak. With Pablo in the lineup. And we know he's played 161 games for the Red Sox. In how many years? In three years. <laughs> they are 70 and 91 with Pablo Sandoval in those 161 games. 21 games below 500. Okay? Which means without Pablo Sandoval in that span of time, again, 222 and 192, 30 games above 500 overall with Pablo, 70 and 91 without Pablo, 152 and 101. 51 games above 500 without Pablo, 20 games or uh, 21 games below 500 with Pablo Sandoval. That says it all right there. That is a 71 game swing yeah. with or without Pablo. He's cost them more games. Then he's helped them win. And you're paying him a lot of money to do that. And you're paying him $95 million over the course of those five years. I mean, one simple way, and I know you're not a big war guy, wins above replacement. I don't know how much I embrace that stat I either. still don't necessarily know what goes into that war equation. I, I, I don't know the <laughs> formula, but if you look at 2015, he was negative .9. Negative .2 the following year, which he only played in three games, broke his belt in Toronto, and then he missed the rest of the year. Right. And then this year, again, negative .9. He's had a negative war Every year of his Red Sox career. Right. Let, let me ask you guys this. Was there ever a successful turnaround with Pablo Sandoval? Like, was there ever, like, 
a moment that you remember that was, you know, him hitting the ball or like making a great defensive play? Nope. Or, you know, talking to his teammates? Nope. No, it was always something stupid and silly. It was Diva Legacy. It was breaking his belt in Toronto. It was, you know. Coming into camp, overweight, the the whole body index thing that they tried to shove down our throats. The only positive thing that I can take away from Pablo is that, and this is something that I'm not going to take away from him, is he tried legitimately this offseason to lose weight, and he succeeded. And that's it. It it didn't translate into baseball. He tried to lose a little bit of weight. He came in with the 17% body fat index, and Dave Dombrowski was like, Oh, that was last year. He came in at 17%. No, it was this year, spring training, wasn't it? He had like something like a twenty yeah, percent. He was body kickboxing they were like, in the offseason. They gave us seventeen percent as like the barometer. I, I, for I, you I, can be a pro athlete if you have a seventeen percent body fat index, yeah. which I, came out of I'll, nowhere. I'll have by to the double way. check, but for some reason, I thought the seventeen percent body fat thing was the middle year of the three when no, he came I, in. I think that's just where they wanted him. You know, so he came that's in what with they said. They came in with a uh, with a higher yeah. body fat twenty seven, and they said we want him around seventeen percent, just yeah. like it. And, and, completely objective number yeah. that they flung against the wall and were like 17% Hope and you sticks. can be a pro athlete. It, it, it was last yeah. year. It was last it year. It was last year, yeah. February 25th, 2016 is the article that I'm seeing where they said he was 17% body fat. So, so they was, wanted him lower. So they wanted him lower. Well, no, it wasn't so much that they wanted him lower. It was that the whole thing was BS from the get-go. Yeah, was, we well, knew yeah. he wasn't 17% he was body like fat. 30. They were just saying that. Oh, my because God. Every, yeah. Because everyone reacted to the photo on the globe right. of him throwing and his belly just spilling out over his shorts. What does it matter anyway, 17%? I, I don't care if you're 30% if you can hit the ball. That's, he couldn't yeah, hit. that's something that we've well, alluded to in the past. Prince Fielder. How many times have we talked about Prince Fielder's a great example? But how many times, I mean, we've made fun of his weight, sure. We talked about him on the body issue. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the results were there, whether it was in Milwaukee, Texas, Detroit, whatever. When we looked at Pablo Sandoval as a member of the San Francisco Giants, although we weren't talking about him all that often because we were here in Boston and he was in San Francisco, I never heard anyone talk about his weight in San I haven't Francisco either. Because the results were there. He was a clutch performer. He was embraced by the fans. They called him Kung Fu Panda. It doesn't matter how much you weigh as long as the results are there. I mean, when I was a kid in the 90s, Rich Gar says, I loved that guy. Move on. He was so fat. Move on was fat too. But, but those guys point, produced. But to that point, exactly, Ashish. And, and when you fall off the cliff, the, the Boston media, the Boston fans really rail into you. Like you, you have no. They're nonstop. They're unfiltered. They'll make you pay if you don't show yeah, up. It's not like San Francisco where people are walking down the street barefoot all the time. Like it's exactly. It's not. It's not a sports market that's made for players that aren't going to come in here and at least give one hundred percent effort. Even if you suck, if you give a hundred percent effort. People here pick up on that. They understand if you're if if you're just at your ceiling, but you're giving a hundred percent. People here in in this town respect that from their athletes. The problem with Pablo is he just didn't ever seem to care. Yeah. And on top of it, the numbers weren't there. Right. You have to have one or the other. Right. You and have all to at least care or produce. And all the elements and experiences considered with Pablo Sandoval. This has to be one of the worst contracts in MLB history. Absolutely. And there was actually a great article on SB Nation about how this is the uh, second most amount of money that a team has had to eat for any player being DFA'd. What's the other Uh, one, A-Rod? I I don't have it up in front of me at the moment, but I'll bring it up next segment. But I know for a fact that uh, the the $48.6 million that the Red Sox are eating is the second highest amount of eaten money for a DFA'd player in baseball history. Yeah. That's horrendous. You have made a historically bad signing here. And my reaction to the, the Pablo Sandoval like DFA'd, I, I felt like it was bound to happen, but it's definitely one of the worst because the reason why is the Red Sox didn't try to trade him I and mean, they can still do it. Oh no they did. But yeah uh, but they came out this week and, and Dombrowski mentioned we did try to trade Pablo and there were no takers well, they couldn't trade him in, in my eyes they they couldn't they couldn't because nobody wanted him right whereas Carl Crawford I felt like that signing was awful but but, but they still had value enough to get rid of him and get something in return and they, they still not? traded him they still traded him so I mean uh, this this is the difference you brought in a guy that was so invaluable that you didn't even get anything for him no on his way partner. out the door yeah you didn't have anyone who was willing to take on the life of that contract or even take on a smaller amount of that contract if you were to eat more of that money just to get maybe a draft pick in return you couldn't get anything for this guy nothing and i quickly want to get into the money because we've got about two three minutes left in this segment but we broke it down for pablo the 95 million dollars that the red sox paid for this guy okay 
He played 161 games as a Boston Red Sox player. That means that Pablo Sandoval cost the Red Sox $590,000 per game. That's incredible. You want to break it down a little further? Please do. 653 plate appearances for Pablo Sandoval. They paid $145,500 per plate appearance. He had 170 hits in the 161 games that he played as a Boston Red Sox player. That is terrible. They paid Pablo $559,000 per hit. Half a million dollars. Half a million per hit. That's crazy. For Pablo Sandoval. And again, just to put the cherry on top, they were 20 games, 21 games under 500 with Pablo and 50 games over 500 without Pablo. You guarantee money. You spoil players with money. They're going to sit back and rake it in. They don't care. They're going to make it anyway. They're going to make their money. Like you said, Pablo had it made coming into Fenway Park. Look look what he did. He sat, sat back and kicked it. 603-883-9900. Quick break here on the Sports Blast ESPN New Hampshire. 1250 ESPN New Hampshire. Manchester's local ESPN. App. There is more to me, Queen Eliara of Elfgard, than my elven magic. Just as there's more to GEICO than saving you money, GEICO also gives you 24-7 access to licensed agents online, on the phone, or on the GEICO app. And while I am a mighty elf queen, I am also a mighty big fan of barbecue potato chips. Minions! More smoky mesquite. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. This is Shaquille O'Neal. And the Shaquettes. Reminding you that anytime. Anytime! Is a good time. Good time! For the cooling, drying, fresh scent of Gold Bond powder spray. Like after the gym. Or a crowded elevator ride. Or golf. Or working with farm animals. Or a hard day's work. Like sports casting. You said it, ladies. Stay cool with Gold Bond powder spray. Stay cool with Gold Bond. About 70% of U.S. adults age 65 or older have high blood pressure, and only about half have it under control. Blood pressure medicine can protect the heart, brain, and kidneys, but many people aren't taking it as directed. This means they may skip doses or stop taking it altogether. To help patients, healthcare systems can involve the entire healthcare team to ensure patients are taking medicine as directed. Simplify blood pressure treatment by prescribing 90-day refills and combination medicines. Coordinate pill refills and prescribe generic medicines. Encourage the use of home blood pressure monitors and address financial barriers such as high copays and deductibles. Patients, follow your healthcare team's instructions on how much medicine to take, how often, and how long to take it. Ask questions about how to correctly take your medicines and why you need them. Use weekly pill boxes or a reminder system to keep track of when to take medicine. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash vital signs. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 years old, and I work at a graphic design company, which is funny because I couldn't even draw a stick figure when I was a kid. But I met someone who told me, you know what? You can do anything if you really want to. And if the teenage me were here, she'd tell you, I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for big brothers, big sisters. Most kids from my neighborhood don't get into art. They get into trouble. But I was lucky because my big sister showed me early on that I didn't have to be like most people. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this eight-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping big brothers, big sisters help a child. And that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Scores, standings, trades, and breaking news. This is your ESPN New Hampshire update. The Red Sox beat the Yankees 5-4 on a walk-off walk last night. Yankees closer Araldis Chapman failed to record an out while protecting a one-run lead in the ninth. He walked Andrew Benintendi with the bases loaded to give the Red Sox the win. Drew Pomeranz got the no decision. He went six innings, allowed four runs on six hits, and struck out seven. Four Red Sox had multiple hit games, including Hanley Ramirez, who hit a towering two-run shot off Yankees starter Jordan Montgomery. The Sox and Yankees will go again today with Chris Sale getting the ball. He'll take on Luis Severino. 
First pitch from Fenway is at 4.05. The Red Sox also made headlines yesterday when they designated Pablo Sandoval for assignment, effectively ending his career in Boston. Sandoval is owed roughly $49 million. And the Celtics officially signed Gordon Hayward to a max contract yesterday worth $128 million over four years. They also announced that they are waiving big man Jordan Mickey. Garbinier Muguruza defeated Venus Williams in straight sets to win the women's Wimbledon final today. Roger Federer will face Thomas Burdich in the men's final tomorrow. Those are your Sports Center updates. Be sure to listen live on ESPNNHradio.com as well as the ESPN Radio app. And as always, you can check us out on TuneIn. I'm Ashish Sharma. Don't go anywhere. The Sports Blast continues right now. I know Mark is especially looking forward to moving on from the Pablo talk. Enough of that. He's gone. So we can just uh, we can just continue to now talk about the Red Sox. Is your mic on? Yeah. All right. So Mark, you just got- Mark is now up. <laughs> so we can just- I always have at least one moment <laughs> producing where I don't turn the mics off. It's don't one of those things. Like, you hate producing. I hate doing updates. Although my second update was a lot better than my first. I, I had trouble with certain names. Garbinier Muguruza. Yeah. Garbinier. That's Garbinier. Muguruza. Garbinier. That's, that's one that always gets me. But, yeah, so, Mark, you were saying, you know what? Pablo's gone now. He's been designated for assignment. He is no longer a member of the Red Sox. It'll be absolutely 100% uh, official in the next 10 days when he either gets released or traded. But he is no longer a member of this right. team. So we can I, move forward I do now. just want to quickly mm-hmm. uh, answer Mark's question from the last segment on who the guy was that had the worst uh, amount of money left on his DFA uh, deal or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Of the Angels. Yes. Wow. If you yes. remember, right. they signed him to a huge contract. That's right. And he ended up having a lot of personal issues. He relapsed. And, and right. And so they ended up eating uh, more. And it doesn't say here, way to go, SB Nation. Uh, it doesn't say here how much money they actually ended up eating. But they do say that based on the amount of production they got out of the players, I guess they put a lot of math into it. The amount of production that they got... Uh, and couple that with the amount of money left over after he's DFA'd, this is the second worst signing in MLB history, according to SB Nation's numbers. Sayonara. Right, I remember that was actually a big deal because the Angels got two Texas Rangers. They got Josh Hamilton and C.J. Wilson yep. that same year. Oh, yeah. And that was a really big deal for them. But, um, yeah, no, that that's definitely something that we'll be talking about now for decades. Is right. Unless there's a bigger, worse contract. No, I mean, it's, it's look, we're gonna look back on this, and we're gonna we're gonna end up, you know, years down the line, we're gonna be like talking about other bad contracts, and we're gonna have to have the disclaimer. Well, it's not as bad as the Pablo yeah. signing. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> nothing can be as bad as that. We're gonna despise that signing <laughs> for a while. We're gonna be here in like 2024, being like, no, remember Pablo? <laughs> I don't know why I just aged 40 years. Yeah, good to say. Like, ah, you remember that Pablo Sandoval? What a terrible signing that was. Yeah, really. Panda. We're gonna be really walking with our walkers and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Being so guys now that we're what like two weeks and change away from the mlb trade deadline which is one of my favorite days of the year we are beyond the halfway point a few weeks ago it seemed like the red sox were interested in todd frazier but i gotta be honest with you i'm setting on dave with this on this one i like the platoon of sue waylon and devin marrero at least until it gets you to rafael devers so i'm not over i mean i think they'll still kick the tires on todd frazier but I'm not over the moon about him. I mean, he's good. What, 210, I think, is his average. Yeah. He's got 16 homers and 44 RBI, something like that, last time I checked. Yeah. So it's not like you need to go out and get a guy like Todd Frazier. Well, it depends on the price. Like, I'm not going to go out all out and, and try to get, like, a, a star-studded, you know, third baseman. I think that that's not what they need. I think what they need is a guy that can just come in, fulfill the, the, the hot corner there, uh, can be an adequate hitter, can play the field extremely well. Because I think defense is really what's going to help out the Red Sox. And I do like the platoon of Marrero and Lynn. But at the same time, if you can upgrade slightly, 
you know, with a, a bigger hitter, if you're not giving up too much, might as well take a shot. Yeah, that's you know, that's sort of where I fall as well. Don't give up anything for a third baseman. No way. You've already depleted this farm system more than enough if you're Dave Dombrowski. You do not need to give up a top prospect in order to bring in a third baseman, especially when you've got Devers coming up the pipeline, right. and it looks like he's ready to hit in the big leagues. He's just not there fielding yet. Um, look, I, I've sort of been on this same level all season when it comes to the Red Sox problems. We talked extensively about whether or not it was the bullpen, the starting pitching, or the hole at third base that was their biggest problem. I think earlier in the season, much earlier in the season, we alluded to third base not really being that number one priority if you're trying to fix the team. It was bullpen arms. Till you and traded I- Travis Shaw. Well, well, no, because that had already happened. Oh, yeah, sure. uh, Now, there was a completely separate discussion about how badly Dombrowski screwed up by not having a backup plan to Pablo Sandoval. And effectively giving the job to Pablo Sandoval. Right. He gave it to a guy that you weren't even sure was going to be able to be in there for you day in and day out. And then I guess you could say, well, he had Brock Holt as his backup plan. That didn't work out because he's been dealing with the vertigo, but... Uh, Brock Holt's worst position on the field as a utility man is third base anyway. So I give a lot of the blame, obviously, to Sherrington for the for the Pablo signing. But you have to look at Dave Dombrowski earlier this year and say, you went in with Pablo. You had no backup plan. And it got to the point at third base where you were saying it, it shouldn't be the number one priority, but it's hurting you so badly in the field. It kind of has to You be. just need a guy there that's going to at least not hurt you in the field. doesn't even matter if he's giving you production at the plate. Just make the plays at third base in the field. And that was something Pablo was not doing. Now that you have Sue Lin and Marrero platooning at third base, you're getting consistent good defense out of third base. Mm-hmm. So, and that's why I'm fine with it. I never thought third base was their number one priority. It was forced upon them to have it be a priority and to be able to figure out what to do there because the fielding was was costing them games. Exactly. That's that's the thing. You just hit on it. It's not that they needed a third baseman who was going to win them games. They need someone at third base, or in this case, a couple guys at third base, who are not going to lose right. you games. And right. as we've discussed these past two segments, Pablo legitimately cost you games. Yeah. Of course. He was like Didi Gregorius in, in that game right. last he, night. Yeah, I mean, like when he was feeling a third and there was a big situation where there were men on late in the game, if there was a ball hit to Pablo, there was a good chance he was going to botch it and allow a run to score. Right. That would legitimately happen and that would be a fear. Right. It's kind of like, I mean, like this is a bad example because Xander Bogarts has turned into a gold glove caliber shortstop, but back when he was younger, we would think, don't hit it to Xander. He's going to screw it up somehow. He's going to airmail it. That's how I felt with Pablo all year this year. Right. So if they want to go out and acquire a guy like Todd Frazier, he only has, uh, what, like six or seven months left on his contract? Less, right? Because we're we're coming up on August soon. Oh, yeah, true. So like two two months and a couple Yeah, whatever it is. I, I don't know how much the contract was either, but my point is he can be a rental. He could be a bridge gap for Devers. So either way, you guys, I mean, we can play it out however we like, but... At the end of the day, it's going to come down to, to the asking price. Like, yeah, I, mean, it's I don't think come the down- Sox are going to ask a lot. I mean, um, I don't think the White Sox are going to ask a lot from the Red Sox. Right. Given it's a rental, I don't think the asking price is going to be high. But still, I just don't see any need to unnecessarily shake it up with Suwe Lin and Devin Marrero, Brock Holt. We'll be back at some point. Right. Uh, you know, I think he's progressing down in AAA right now. He's on that rehab uh, assignment. So I really don't see a need for that. Let me ask you this. What what sometimes wins the World Series? We talked about relief pitching, right? I yes. think yeah, I think that's probably the most underrated and most often most important part of a postseason roster, or, mo- or at least most overlooked part of it, a right. postseason roster. Because once your starter is out of the game in the sixth or seventh, you're turning it over to your relievers, and in a one-run game, in an elimination game in the postseason in October, you need to make sure the back end of your bullpen is solid. But the second factor I think is depth too. Because injuries happen or, you know, players get into a slump and that's when you need depth. So I, it goes hand in hand. And for my circumstance, I think you can get a lead pitcher in free agency. Maybe K-Rod goes to the to the Red Sox. Oh, so you're talking about guys that have now become available because they've been waived. Exactly. Sure. And I mean, there's arms all over the place. Right. But I maintain, and I've maintained this all year, if you have a list of priorities, if you're the Boston Red Sox, my number one priority this trade deadline is that bullpen. 
I don't think that there's anything else that they really need to do. The starting rotation, yeah, it's been a little bit uh, up and down this year, but that's because they haven't been fully healthy all season. They haven't even, I, I was thinking about this, they haven't had one stretch where they've gone one through five through their uh, pitching rotation the way that it was designed to be going into this year. Right. You know, it was supposed to be Price, uh, oh, sorry, Sale, Price, Porcello, Rodriguez, Pomeranz. They I, I think it was actually right. Pomeranz initially wasn't even supposed well, to be okay, in the rotation. Okay, so yes, and Stephen Wright. Uh, and you can even take him out and say Pomeranz was the idea for the fifth man. Right. And they haven't had those five strung together at all this season because at various points people right. have been injured. And to the, the Frazier point, if the Red Sox were struggling offensively, then I think it would be a need. Since they are playing pretty pretty well offensively, I would say they don't really need that kind of a bat in a lineup. So you can get away with Lynn and Marrero really being like the platoon at third base. Right, which leaves the bullpen. Which and leaves and the again, bullpen, yeah. I know a lot of people are high on this bullpen. They have performed well this year. They've but crushed I, it. I think they're overachieving. At and I'm still waiting for them. At some point, you just got to give them credit I give for them being credit. what they are. I give them credit for performing the way they are, but I am not convinced that this is how they're going to continue to perform. So what reservations do you have specifically? Uh, Matt, uh, Barnes is a perfect example of a guy who just cannot pitch on the road. He's spectacular at Fenway. He gets nervous on the you road. You have to pitch on the yeah. road. Last time I checked in the playoffs... Joe Kelly, another guy. Joe Kelly's been phenomenal. He yeah, just gave except, up his first earned runs in 21 straight innings. You can't pitch him every day. An eighth inning setup guy you ideally would like to be able to go to whenever you need him, whether that's every day or you know just when you need him in the eighth in tight games. Joe Kelly has this restriction on him where you have to pitch him every other day. So Joe Kelly has holes. You know, and if you want to say, what's his name? Bobby Scott has Robbie been good. Scott. Uh, Robbie Scott, has he been great? He's been good. They've all overachieved, though. Average, I'm not putting yeah. all of the eggs in the in the Robbie Scott right. basket. I'd, I'd say the two guys that I've kind of not been thrilled with this year have been Heath Hembree and Matt Barnes. Other than that, I've been very happy with this bullpen. Even Fernando but, Abad has been but aren't pretty good. There, aren't there still questions for you with all those guys? Like, do those guys really, uh, are those the guys that you want to depend on come the postseason? No, that's why I'm agreeing with you that they need to, they need to go out and get another reliever, yeah, whoever they, that might be. They, it just needs I'm a agreeing little with bit you in that more sense. Uh, to be stabilized. Right, well, you but need what your about when Carson Smith comes back? That's another example. Carson I, Smith, it's going to be like a midseason acquisition, but at the end of the day, we don't know right. if he's going to be the same Carson Smith that we saw in those two games. So exactly. you'd ra you rather take a shot at the unknown in the bullpen rather than what you have at third base. But, I mean, uh, actually, totally, it, it's not totally. based on third base or, and, um, or reliever. It's nothing. Like... They're going to do their due diligence, look at the roster, feel out what they need yeah. in regards to depth the, in the like bullpen. The lineup is solid. I know they don't hit for power, but they, they get a runs. ton of hits. They produce runs. And, and when they're all uh, you know clicking at the same time, it's a lethal lineup. So I don't need the offensive production out of third base. I've said this all year. I don't need the offense out of the third base position as long as I'm getting good defense there and they're not hurting you. Right. It's sort of a run prevention type thing right. at third base. Right. Those are the two only positions that I can think of that the Red Sox really need. I, right. I, I mean, agree. In terms of starting depth, when you get Eduardo Rodriguez back, as you just mentioned a second ago, Dave, Sale, Price, Erod, Porcello, Pomerantz, that's your rotation. Porcello was fantastic in his final two starts before the All-Star break. Pomerantz has, has been better. So I, I kind of now sort of have faith in this rotation going in into the final two months here in the, in the regular season. One name to watch out for is a sleeper. Dombrowski loves his Tigers. Ugh. Justin Verlander. Could, Verlander. Could be could be a play for a Cyrus yeah, That's going to cost I don't know. I'm going to have to look at that uh, contract, but that there's a lot left on that. That's going to cost you. I, I mean, if the, Dobrowski better do the smart move and not go after him. I'm just saying, former oh, no, Tiger, please, like, I don't Dombrowski. Think you need Verlander. I mean, your rotation's pretty much set now. Oh, if they add a starter to this lineup, I, I don't... I mean, I wouldn't hate it, I guess, That's but gonna you're going to have to. Yeah, you're going to have to give up a Devers for. Verlander. I'm not giving up Devers. No, I'm not I just either. don't want them to do anything stupid this trade deadline. Yeah, wrapping up hour number one here on the Sports Blast, ESPN New Hampshire. Don't go anywhere.